Pauline, give me some of your tots. I ate his liver with some fava beans. Nice candy. Combo, pan fry, deep fry, stir fry. Yummy! Hey guys, welcome to the cooking show. It's me, Bob, the same guy that it always is. And uh, hey, I got a long one this week. Uh, it's kind of a special one. I went a little bit overboard on uh, pretty much all of it. You know, um, you might be familiar with the quote from Carl Sagan that if you wish to make an apple pie from scratch, you must first invent the universe. And uh, that's kind of what I did. I did not make an apple pie from scratch. Uh, I made a, a caramel apple cheesecake. But the uh, the fun part about it is that I made all of the constituent ingredients from scratch. So what does that mean? It means I made cream cheese. I made some butter and I used that butter to make homemade graham crackers. The graham crackers were then used to make the crust for the cheesecake. I made a, a an apple cider syrup from apples from our apple trees out in the yard there and i made homemade caramel and then put all these ingredients together and made a cheesecake and uh spoiler alert it turned out fantastic the deeper i went into this project the more i was thinking like oh man this is going to be terrible if the cheesecake doesn't turn out well because cheesecake is a really kind of a finicky thing it's it's a process recipe you know like some recipes are an ingredient recipe and other ones are a process recipe like sometimes it's like you just got to get the ingredients right and then uh, you know make it hot and bada boom bada bling it's good with cheesecake it's sort of like look the the the, the ingredients aren't complicated but it's very sensitive to temperature and environment and humidity and all that kind of stuff. So if you want a nice, a nice texture, uh, no cracks in the surface, all the stuff, you gotta, you gotta baby it a little bit. And honestly, like I've, I've made one cheesecake before and that was in like 2005, I believe. So it's been quite a while. So as, as it got closer to actually making the final product, it, it started to get a little bit uh, nerve wracking. Like, oh my God, if this doesn't turn out, well, luckily, I have, I have four short episodes where it's like, hey, uh, here's how you make cream cheese, or here, here's how we make graham crackers, you know. Uh, but luckily, it turned out fantastic, and uh, we're gonna walk through this. So, listen, um, if you want to make a cheesecake like this, you definitely don't have to do it as like uh, drilled down into the nitty gritty as I as I went. You can just skip straight down to the cheesecake recipe in the show notes and use store-bought ingredients. You can go buy Philadelphia cream cheese and Nabisco graham crackers and store-bought butter, like all that stuff, and it'll turn out just as good or better than what I did. Similarly, if you don't like cheesecake, but you love graham crackers, you can just follow the graham cracker recipe. Or if you're like me, like the light bulb goes on over your head and you're like, wait a minute, you can make cream cheese at home. I did. I didn't know that was a thing that somebody could do. You could just do that. There's lots of points of value <laughs> to this episode. And the, the cost to you is that you have to listen to me. Well, you don't have to. I mean, who cares? You could, you might not listen to the song. It might go straight to the show notes or the website or the imager album or whatever. But if you do, if you follow all the steps. 
uh, you know, one of them is listening to me ramble on about making all of this stuff and then putting it all together to make a cheesecake in the end. All right. So we're going to follow along with the the order of of the images in the album that is attached to this episode. And the reason is because I just spent a lot of time editing and uploading those photos and putting them in a specific order. So I might as well follow that order so that it doesn't throw everything off here. All right. So first off, we're going to start with the ingredient or the product that has the fewest ingredients in it, right? It's the apple cider syrup. Now I've never made this from store-bought up apple cider, but technically it should be easier than whenever I make it from whole apples, because you don't have to worry about straining up straining out all the solids and you're already starting with you know a pasteurized high quality product or whatever basically you you take apple cider and you slowly simmer it down until it thickens and uh and darkens up and and concentrates into a thick syrupy super sweet and also super sour um syrup essentially and i don't know I don't know what the, like all the age demographics are of the audience that listens to this. I am almost 39 years old. When I was in high school, one of the big fundraiser candy sales things were these caramel apple lollipops. And it was like a green apple candy lollipop, you know, with, with a caramel like cap on it. And the, the green apple candy was obviously super sweet, but also super sour. Like it, they, it, they they coexisted and they competed for attention from your from your taste buds and they were it was just such a compelling flavor like you almost want to just eat all the caramel off of it to get that out of the way because it's like that is just sweet it's just decadent it's just sugar whatever and get get that out of here let's get to the apple um and this uh apple cider syrup is very similar to that in that it's like a, it, it's it's a concentrated apple flavor what's really cool is that as it oxidizes and, and concentrates and boils down, it darkens up. So it goes from that like cloudy brown cider color to a deep red, like candy apple color. There's no artificial colors. Like there's literally nothing in it, but juiced apples and, you know, some dissolved solids from that. And it's fantastic. And, and yeah, there really isn't much to it aside from, you know, don't, don't boil it down too far. I mean, you're going to reduce it by like, 75%, just like with any other syrup, if you go too far, it will eventually like it'll bubble up in candy and it could potentially burn, but, uh, you know, cut it off whenever it coats a spoon hot. And then as it cools down, it'll get even thicker and, and stickier and, and just fantastic. Definitely, uh, look through the, the photos and check that out. Oh, you know what? I forgot in the show notes, obviously, you know, you get the, the link to the photo album. We'll have a link to any special ingredients. Um, in this case, it'll, it'll have a link to like the mesophilic culture that we use to make cream cheese. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll look through and see if there's anything else, uh, special equipment, you know, a spring form pan for the cheesecake would be fantastic. Maybe I can find an Amazon link to these flour sack towels that I use in place of cheesecloth. I, I mentioned it in the, in the captions, in the photos that it's a tighter weave in the cloth. So you can filter finer particulates out. Like you use cheesecloth. A lot of times you either have to like fold it over multiple times, or you have to make multiple runs through this 
uh, the sieve of fabric because it's a fairly open weave and a lot of stuff gets through. With the flower sack cloths, it takes a lot longer for the liquid to drain through because it's so tight, but um, it's one and done. I mean, I, I used it to uh, strain out the liquid, the buttermilk from the butter, the liquid, uh, the whey from the uh, cream cheese, and um, all the dissolved solids from the apple juice that I started with. So that's, uh, you know, apple cider syrup. Fantastic. I, I love to have a jar of it in the fridge and stir a teaspoon of it into like Earl Grey tea because it has that sour backdrop and plus it's like concentrated sugar. So it, it sweetens the tea. It, it, it accentuates like the citrusy bergamot flavor of the tea. So it's great in in hot tea. Uh, you can use it in, you can make an apple teeny, you know, without using some electric green, you know, bottom shelf crap that you stole out of a dorm room, <laughs> you know, like make like a real apple teeny, um, that's, uh, sweet and sour and delicious, fantastic, uh, or whatever else. I mean, make a peanut butter and apple syrup sandwich, uh, in place of jelly. I don't know. Be, be creative with it. It costs, it's very cost efficient. It doesn't cost that much. And you get this unique thing that's like super pasteurized, lasts a long time, put it in a jar in the fridge, be good to go. You'll find, you'll find uses for it. Okay. So moving on from the apple cider syrup, cream cheese. I never really thought about the name of it before, but this is literally a soft cheese made from heavy cream. So most cheeses are made from like whole milk, or skim milk, or sometimes you'll you'll mix in a little bit of cream to add some some fat. This is straight up heavy cream, inoculated with a mesophilic uh, cheese culture. Mesophilic uh, meso meaning middle or between, philic meaning uh, attraction or love. And what it means is that this is a a culture that likes medium temperatures, right? So you have your thermophilic, which is like hot, your mesophilic, there might be a couple others, I don't know. Mesophilic is like room temperature. So you you get your, your little pack in a mesophilic uh, culture. I like to start it off in a little bit of water. Technically, you can add the culture, it's just like a dry powder, kind of like yeast, you know, like bread yeast. You can add that directly to the heavy cream, but I just from making bread, I find waking up the microorganisms in a little, you know, uh, 90 degree water bath, uh, is very effective. So I did that. So I, the mesophilic culture went into a little bit of water that was mixed into the cream. And then here's the thing, here's where, here's where you're like, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do it this way? Cover that bowl of cream of inoculated cream with saran wrap and let it sit at room temperature, 72 degrees, 74 degrees for between 12 and 24 hours. I let it go 24 hours. Technically, you only have to do it 12 hours, but what's happening is that culture, those bacterium, they're going to start consuming the sugars in the in the cream and they're excreting acid. Now, I know that a lot of cultures excrete uh, lacto bacillic or like lactobacillic cultures will excrete lactic acid. I'm not sure if it's lactic acid that the mesophilic culture excretes, but it acidifies and curdles. It causes the, the cream to, to solidify, solidify and acidify and become solid, like a solid curd that's sort of floating in a thin way. Okay. And it takes between 
12 and 24 hours for that to happen. So you cover it with saran wrap, let it sit on the counter until the next day. And then we use our beautiful flower sack cloths, uh, lining a colander and then have that colander suspended over um, like a pot or something like that. And you're going to pour this, this semi-solid cream curd into that a uh, cloth line colander and then tie up the corners and then hang it somewhere, <laughs> you know, hang it somewhere where it can drip for another day. Now, what I did was I got a bigger pot and I pulled those, those, those corner knots really tight across and tied them to the pot handles so that the, the bag of, of cheese curd in the middle was just like hanging there suspended. Um, and it started to droop a little bit, like as, I mean, it's a decent amount of weight in there. There's a little bit of elasticity to the cotton of the flour sack cloth. So as I noticed that like, all right, it's, it's going to droop and I don't want it to like touch the puddle of whey that's dripping out of it in the bottom of the pot. So what I did was I, I, I finagled a rolling pin underneath of the, the cloth at the top and, and span that across the, the pot so that, uh, it held, it held it up high enough. So there's like two or three inches of clearance from the bottom of the pot and uh, set that over on the counter. Again, room temperature, let it drip. Um, that'll get most of the way out of the uh, cream cheese. And, you know, after that period of time is up, you just, you know, untie the knots, open up that cloth, and you're going to have a solid mass of cream cheese in there. It's going to be smooth and spreadable and slightly tangy, a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of residual sweetness from the cream. It's really, it's fantastic. I mean, if just, just buying, you know, a pack of mesophilic culture online and making a batch of cream cheese every once in a while for your bagels is, uh, you know, it's a little, a little slice of a uh, rustic homemadeness that you'd really enjoy. Okay. Next up, not entirely necessary, but I feel like, hey, I have some, I have cream left over. I got a bunch of cream to make the cream cheese and we're already kind of being a little bit ridiculous on how homemade this is. So if we're going to make the, this homemade graham cracker, it calls for, I don't know, a quarter pound of butter. Let's make some butter. Super simple. Two ingredients, right? Heavy cream and a little bit of salt. I used a hand mixer for this, you know, one of the ones with the two beaters on it. The process here is you, you beat the cream and eventually the cream turns into whipped cream. You know, you get your stiff peaks and you pull it up there and you just keep beating it. Yeah, you just keep beating it. It goes from whipped cream to like almost like um, it, it's not the same product, but it has a similar consistency it is uh, English clotted cream, which is like so whipped cream is real fluffy. Clotted cream is is like whipped butter almost, but it still has all of the the water content of the cream. But then the next stage is all of a sudden it just turns into butter and buttermilk. So you'll have a wad of butter in the bowl and a it'll just be slapping around in a puddle of thin, uh, like yellowish white liquid, which is your buttermilk. Now you think, well, isn't buttermilk like really thick? So with the buttermilk that you buy in the store, it's cultured buttermilk. So you can take that thin liquid, you can culture it and that that's going to build up the thickness. And then you'll have, you know, your, the, your thick creamy buttermilk, 
but initially that water just sort of releases from the the it's from being bound up with the fats and the cream and then you have uh butter and buttermilk all mixed together sort of so then you take that wad of butter and guess what we're going back to our old favorite the flour sack cloth dump that wad of but butter into the cloth tie it up nice and tight that buttermilk's going to express through the cloth and drip into a bowl or some or a pot or whatever and inside when you unwrap uh, you're going to have this nice slightly yellow ball of butter and uh, i believe i used two cups of cream which produced just shy of five ounces of butter and the recipe for the graham crackers called for four ounces of butter you know, like one stick whatever a quarter of a pound so i was a little heavy on the butter with the cream with the with the graham cracker um but it was a good conversion two cups of cream made just a little bit more butter than what i needed but i used it all anyway you know because i'm a good boy all right. Uh, and oh, by the way, any waste here, like all the apple pulp from juicing, you know, I don't know, 50 pounds of apples and the buttermilk, put all that in a big bucket and fed it to the chickens the next day. Uh, they love that stuff. All right. So we've made our, what do we make here? We made, we've got cream cheese started. We've made apple cider syrup and we've made some butter. Time to make some caramel. Uh, this was the first time I ever made caramel, and I'll be honest up front, the first time I messed it up, and all the photos in the album are from the batch that I technically messed up, but you can't tell that it's messed up from the photos. I'll tell you what happened. So you get your sugar into, into a pot, a pan, get it on the stove, medium high, and let it sit there. That sugar is going to start to to melt, essentially. It's going to start to caramelize or melt and uh, uh what's the word for it there's a word i can't remember what it is it's very late right now anyway you're gonna start getting a little bit of liquid um you let that go and it's gonna it's gonna melt down and it's gonna turn yellowish brown kind of an amber colored and once all of that sugar has become liquid sugar essentially molten sugar i think molten might have been the word i was looking for i'm not sure that we're going to add something like if you're using two cups of sugar you're going to add like six tablespoons of butter chop it up into you know one tablespoon blocks and add that to this this molten sugar kill the heat turn the heat off be careful with this i mean it, i didn't have any mishaps it wasn't any danger it didn't feel like there was any danger, but you are using, you're, you're, you're working with like super hot sugar. If something were to happen, if it were to spit or splash, or if you knock the pan off the thing, it, it's going to stick to you. It's going to burn. It's going to be terrible. Like you don't want to do that. Just be sober, be alert, pay attention to what you're doing. Um, so anyway, you add your, your butter there and you mix that in, um, in the pictures, I'm using a wooden spoon, totally responsible choice. Uh, but you know what? cut it out <laughs> use <laughs> use a wire whisk it's so much better the wooden spoon it looks rustic it looks it looks homegrown but the wire whisk is the more practical tool for this whisk that butter in there it's gonna get incorporated with that molten sugar and then you're gonna add if you again if you're using two cups of sugar add a half a cup of that heavy cream and the cream even if you let it sit out to room temperature it's going to be considerably colder than the the molten sugar that you're adding it to. So when you add that cream and you start mixing it in there, you might start getting clumps of, of sugar that sort of uh, cooled down and solidified. If that's the case, 
you know, turn the heat on to like medium and and warm up that whole mixture and just whisk that stuff together over and over and over again until it's you know well incorporated and smooth and then you can add you know a teaspoon of salt if you want it salted caramel now here's what i messed up on on my first batch that sugar that you're starting with for each cup of sugar add a half a tablespoon of lemon juice and i don't know what the science is on this but the acid in the lemon juice prevents the sugar from like crystallizing when it cools down. Like it'll it'll break down in the heat, and then um, once it's liquid and it cools down again, it won't like re-solidify. Okay, so for the batch of caramel that or caramel that I made that I took all the pictures for, um, and that is sitting on my counter in a bowl and it's a solid rock of sugar. Like I'm probably just gonna throw that bowl away. I mean, I could run it under hot water for, you know, six hours and, and dissolve all the sugar or whatever, but you know, it's just a bowl. It probably has a chip in it like all my other dishes, who knows? But the second batch when I was like, eh, what went wrong here? Google, 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 oh, lemon juice. So the second batch, is in a jar in the fridge and it's beautiful. It's perfect. Okay. So that's the, you know, a little trial and error. Everybody makes mistakes. Get them out of the way early. You don't want to make the mistakes when you're making the cheesecake or all this was for naught. All right. So that's our caramel. Next up is the graham crackers. And uh, this is cool because it's just coincidence. Graham crackers are made with whole wheat flour. And just last week, I did the whole episode on, you know, milling wheat into flour and then making bread and comparing that to, you know, uh, all purpose white flour versus whole wheat or whatever. So I got this whole big bucket of wheat berries. So we, we ran with it. We used, uh, we used the butter that we made. Okay. So the homemade butter goes into the, this recipe. There is a, you know, a half cup of, of all purpose flour. It's not all whole wheat flour, but I did mill one cup of wheat to use, um, for the whole wheat flour. We also used, uh, what do we got here? We got some sugar, salt, baking soda, baking powder, cinnamon, a tablespoon of milk. It's basically just milk for the sake of saying that there's milk in it. Um, uh, two tablespoons of honey, and then, I don't know, a, tea, a tablespoon or so of vanilla extract. Uh, oh, if you want to, hey, if we want to throw another recipe in here, something simple, you get yourself some bottom shelf vodka, like um, Joaquin's or Kamchatka or something like that, and you get whole vanilla beans, which, you know, we bought a bunch of them a long time ago on Amazon. It was like 40 bucks or something. I'm sure the vanilla beans today, you know, cost an arm and a leg. But you put a bunch of them into a bottle of vodka and then you let it sit for like a long time. And uh, it turns into vanilla extract. The bottle that we're currently using is like eight years old. And it's getting down to where there isn't a whole lot left in it. So there's a lot of sediment from like the uh, vanilla beans, like shedding debris. So um, whenever you see the vanilla extract in any of these pictures or whatever, there'll be like little bits of grit in there. It's just pieces of the vanilla pod and the vanilla beans, and it makes it look rustic and, and fancy. And it gave me a segue to, to, to divulge the fact that you can also make vanilla extract uh, super simple and in like huge quantities. All right. So we're going to make these graham crackers. Got to mill that wheat and make that flour. And then we're going to use the food processor 
predominantly for this. We even use that to pulse together the dry ingredients so that they're well mixed. You add, add your butter, chop it up into little pieces, throw it in there, pulse it a few times until you get like that wet sand consistency. Okay. This is all super simple. Like these are the easy things. The caramel, you got to be careful that you don't burn the sugar. Um, the cream cheese, I don't know. Don't forget about it and leave it sitting on the counter for a week. The apple cider syrup, don't boil it down too long or it'll burn. But otherwise, this is all simple stuff. So you pulse together all your, your, your butter with the dry ingredients. You get that wet sand, crumbly texture, right? Add, at this point, add your wet ingredients and then run that food processor and to incorporate everything. And what'll happen is it'll, it'll conglomerate together. It'll like, um, not conglomerate, agglomerate, I believe is the word. It'll, it'll come together. And eventually you're just going to be like spinning a ball of dough around inside of the, uh, the food processor. At that point, you're like, Hey, it's done. It's all mixed together. It's good. Turn that out onto a cutting board and divide it into two equal pieces. Now, because that, that blade was whipping around in there, mixing everything up, it, it creates a little bit of heat from the friction between the ingredients and the blade. So this dough is going to be very loose. It's going to be very melty, buttery. So once you divide it in half, put it on a plate, stick it in the fridge for a half hour so it firms up. Okay. After that time it comes out, you're going to notice it's going to have more of like a Play-Doh sort of texture. It's not going to feel um, greasy to the touch because the butter will have re-solidified. Lay down a sheet of parchment paper and put one of those halves of the, the graham dough in the middle of that and then lay another sheet of parchment paper on top. Now you can use your hand to start flattening down, but don't do that too much because we don't want to impart very much of your body heat into that dough. Just flatten it down a little bit and then use the rolling pin. Roll it out in all the directions uh, to get it, you know, like an eighth of an inch thick and pretty, pretty even on the, uh, on the surface. But now, if you're going to, if you, if you want to make graham crackers, you want to try to make a big rectangle. Like you can roll it out, pull the parchment off, cut it into, you know, a rectangle with a pizza roller or a bench scraper or whatever, and then use those pieces of dough to do the same, like incorporate them, make another sheet of it or whatever. But since we're just using this to make graham cracker that we're going to pulverize again to make the crust for the cheesecake. Um, I just rolled them out into roughly, not even roughly circular shape, just whatever shape it turned into as I rolled it in different directions. You'll see these in the, in the pictures there. Uh, very carefully peel the parchment paper off of this slab of rolled out graham cracker dough. And then you, you'll, you should have some, some whole wheat flour, you know, leftover in reserve, whether you milled it yourself or you bought it or whatever, um, dust a baking sheet with that flour and then turn that last piece of, uh, parchment paper upside down so that your, your dough is, you know, dough side touching the, the flour and then peel that parchment off. Do the same thing with the other half of the dough, put it on another cookie sheet. You're going to bake these at 300 and let me say 350 degrees. Yeah. 350 degrees. And it's going to be for like between 16 and 20 minutes, 
but at like halfway through at like 10 minutes, switch, switch what rack they're on and also turn them around so that the side that was facing the back of the oven is facing the front of the oven and vice versa. That'll ensure that you get even heating and, and, and baking. As they bake, they're going to get a little bit darker in color. They're going to go from like a, like a sandy tan colored up to a golden brown. When you take them out of the oven, they are going to be very soft. Um, like it's going to be like a uh, chocolate chip cookie soft, but as they cool, they're going to, they're going to firm up and get crispy. Okay. So don't worry about if they come out and you can see them jiggling on the pan. That's not, it's not a big deal. Once those cool completely, you can scrape them off of the, off of the, the cookie sheet with a spatula or whatever. I mean, they're not, they're not going to be, even though you floured that cookie sheet, they're going to stick a little bit around the edges, separate those from the cookie sheet break them up into, you know, roughly one inch pieces and throw them in a bowl. And then uh, we didn't need to use all of this. This was cool. So the, the, this um, recipe for graham crackers is fantastic. Basically, I ended up using half of the, the cookie, essentially the cracker that was created to to make the crust for the cheesecake. So I've got like this bowl of you know, one inch square graham crackers sitting on the counter. And every time I walk past, you just eat one. And you're like, oh my God, these are the best graham crackers I've ever had. It's fantastic. I love it. Love having them around. But anyway, you're going to use about half of that back into the food processor to uh, turn them back into dust. You know, they started as dust. They became crackers for a brief moment in time. And then back to dust they go. All right. And then to that uh, graham cracker crumb, we're going to add melted butter, sugar, and a little bit of salt. Mix that up. You're going to get a very wet, dark, you know, wet sand uh, texture. And then you you get your springform pan set up and you take that graham cracker crust and you, you know, mush it down into the bottom of the pan and get a nice even coverage. And then you want to preheat your oven to 375 degrees. And once you have the, your, you know, the oven preheated, the springform pan is is coated on the bottom with the graham cracker crust. Bake that crust for 10 minutes. And, you know, you've added a bunch of butter to it. It's going to get nice and dark and beautiful. And uh, you set that aside, let it cool down a little bit. When you take that out of the oven, turn your oven temperature down to 325. That's going to be the baking temperature for our cheesecake. Remember that? We're making a cheesecake. We've been doing all this rigmarole. The whole objective here is that we want to make a cheesecake eventually. Well, now we have our oven preheated and you basically just let it cool down a little bit from 375 to 325 while we mix up our cheesecake filling. Oh, you know what? Before we start making the filling, once you have that uh, graham cracker crust in the bottom of your springform pan, what you want to do is you want to essentially wrap the bottom and the sides of the pan with aluminum foil. This is again, uh, servicing the finickiness of the cheesecake and its sensitivity to temperature and humidity and all this stuff. Uh, we're basically going to insulate the walls of the springform pan with aluminum foil. And if you, again, look at the imager album in the show notes, you see the picture of it, you see what I'm talking about. Um, we're wrapping this up with foil. That's going to slow the ingress of heat from the oven into the sides of the cheesecake and the bottom and all that kind of stuff. All right. So that once you get that wrap with foil, 
then set it aside. All right. Now we're going to start on making our cheesecake filling. We're going to use 32 ounces of our cheese, of our cream cheese, which is going to leave some left over for bagels. Like I said, that's going to be fantastic. A little bit of uh, flour. All these, all the exact recipes will be in the show notes. Some of the things I remember off the top of my head, like it's two cups of sugar. Uh, The recipe was for six eggs, but my chickens are laying very small eggs right now, so I use seven eggs. Um, we got some vanilla, a little bit of salt, some sour cream, and then we have uh, like two tablespoons of lemon juice and the zest of one lemon, and that pretty much rounds out the the filling ingredient ingredients. Now I use the stand mixer for this. You could use a hand mixer if you really want to, you know, be special. Use that metal, you know, whisk if you want, but. Start off by adding all the cream cheese, all the sugar, and all the flour, and you kind of whip those together until until just it just gets smooth. A lot of this is like you don't want to overwork the filling. You want to get right to where it's supposed to be and then stop, okay? So you get your cream cheese, sugar, flour. I, I want to say creamed together because usually when you use butter and sugar, you're creaming the butter and the sugar together. You're doing a similar thing here, okay? Once that's done, add your vanilla, your salt, your lemon juice, and turn your mixer on low. While it's running, add one egg at a time until it gets incorporated with the filling and until you've exhausted all the eggs. And at that point, you should have like this this smooth, creamy, custardy sort of liquid, semi-solid, a non-Newtonian solid perhaps. And at that point, you can... Remove the bowl from the stand mixer or just stop mixing the stuff or whatever and add the sour cream. And then you just want to like fold the sour cream into the mixture. You you can use a spatula, a wooden spoon, whatever, to sort of very gently turn that sour cream in, incorporate it through through the filling. And then you're good to go. That filling will be poured into the springform pan on top of the graham cracker crust. And then as a testament to the sensitivity of the cheesecake. Get yourself out a baking a baking pan, you know, something that you'd roast a turkey or a ham in. Set the springform pan in the middle of that baking pan. Now, I just realized that not everybody has a a, a, a kettle, you know, like everybody in England has a kettle because they make tea 37 times a day. In America, I have a kettle because I make French press French press coffee, but if you don't have a kettle, you're going to need, I don't know, two liters of boiling water. I'm not sure. You know, I, I fill my kettle up. It's, a, you know, a liter and a half, a half gallon. I don't know, a couple quarts. <laughs> give you th- I'll give you 14 different measurements. What you, what you do is you want to boil enough water that you can pour it into the roasting pan outside of the springform pan. We're not pouring this water onto the cheesecake filling. It's going outside. You're, you're basically building up a jacuzzi around the cheesecake. You're going to pour it to a depth of about an inch of hot water. Okay. It, it sounds complicated because I don't know what words to use to describe it. It's real simple though. Then you grab your pan, you put that in the oven gently, very gently. You've got a giant pan of formerly boiling water and you've got a big jiggly mass of liquid cheese put that into the oven and close it up and set the uh, timer for if you're going to bake this for an hour and a half set the timer for an hour that way you get to check on it past the halfway point but one you're not checking on it every 10 minutes and two 
uh, if something horrible happens, you at least get a little bit of a, a, a foreshadow of it. <laughs> you get to look at it at an hour. If everything's going good in an hour, cool. Set it for another 30 minutes and let it run. After when, Once that 30 minutes runs up, chances are it's going to have like a nice golden brown, not not as dark as the, uh, the graham crackers, but a little bit of a golden color on the top. Um, if you, if you jiggle it a little bit, it should, it should move, but it shouldn't look loose and liquid. I don't know exactly how to say that the right way to really convey what I'm talking about. Hopefully you just know what I'm, what I mean when you see it, but give it a little give it a little jiggle if it seems like it's pretty solid then you're good what i did what i did was i turned the oven off i'd you know i'm in there for a couple minutes poking around so a lot of that heat escaped but there's a lot of heat retained in the walls of the oven and then i closed it up let it go for another 15 minutes no heat basically in a, a declining temperature um but you know after after 15 minutes let it sit or you can take it out whatever take it out set it you know you can put a rack down or whatever because you're you got this big hot uh, roasting pan full of still hot water and now a hot cheesecake in the middle and set it out. Let that rest for like a good 45 minutes. That's going to allow it to lose the vast majority of its heat. It's the cheesecake itself is still going to be warm. Everything's going to be warm, but it's not going to be hot anymore. After 45 minutes, very gently, either remove the pan, the springform pan wrapped in foil from the water bath onto another surface or whatever, and then remove the, the aluminum foil from around the outside. Just throw the aluminum foil away. Or you can peel the aluminum foil back in the pan of water and then just remove the springform pan from the foil and set that down. Let that cool for another half hour and then transfer it into the refrigerator until it's fully chilled, okay? Now, when you have it sitting there for like the 45 minute rest with the foil around it, all that kind of stuff, after a couple minutes, take a sharp knife and run it around the edge, like between the edge of the cheesecake and the wall of the springform pan, because you don't want that cheesecake to be clinging to the walls of the pan because as it cools down, it's going to shrink. It's kind of like a souffle when it's hot and all the all that matter is excited and the gases are trying to get out and everything's, you know, all hot and bothered. It's going to like be risen a little bit as it cools down. It's going to shrink down in the pan. And if it's clinging to the sides, it's going to shrink down in an uneven way. And that could cause cracks that could cause it to be misshapen. It can just cause all kinds of problems. So we're going to avoid that by running a knife between the edge of the cheesecake and the wall of the springform pan. Okay. So after you've done all this stuff and you put it in the fridge and you cooled it down, then you can break it out, pop the little hinge, hinge a jig on the side of this, of the pan and, and pull the wall of the springform pan up and away, revealing your cheesecake masterpiece showing your layers of the graham cracker crust and the cheesecake in the middle and the golden brown top. It's, it's fantastic. It's, it's the most satisfying thing. If it turns out the way it's supposed to, it's like, oh my God, I made that. It's really cool. Then, 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 then we want to drizzle our toppings on there. If you have their apple cider syrup, it's going to be uh, drizzleable, drizzleable at room temperature. 
or, or even at refrigerator temperatures, stir it up with a spoon and then pull that spoon out and drizzle it all over the top. The caramel, if you do it correctly and it's still soft and gooey, it will need warmed up a little bit. Put it in the microwave for like 30 seconds and then evaluate it. See if you can stir it and, and see if it sticks to the spoon. See if it drizzles. If not, give it another 15 seconds, 20 seconds, whatever. Warm it up so it's nice and I love the word drizzleable, and then drizzle the caramel across the top as well. I didn't mention in the caption of this photo in the imager album, you're going for a Jackson Pollock sort of thing, because if you want to, if you try to be too perfectionist, if you're like, you know what, I'm going to do like a mirror glaze of like this shiny syrup and, and, and caramel, like just uniform covering over the top. Well, guess what? If you mess that up, you're going to feel like an idiot. Be like, I did all this work and then I screwed it up in the, in the last mile. The la I mean, I could see the destination and then I wrecked the car. Okay. If you go for the Jackson Pollock thing, you can't, you can't lose. It's, it's just a mess. It's, it's a beautiful mess. And that's about it. You slice it, you eat it, you feel a, a profound sense of satisfaction. And then you, you know, put it back in the fridge for another day. And that, that is about as homemade a cheesecake as as I can imagine doing for a podcast that uh I don't get paid to do <laughs> no it was a lot of fun it really um you know it was more of an exercise in planning and execution you know each one of these ingredients was it ended up being very high quality very well done and then you know the the piece de resistance at the end is uh you know making cheesecake which is not a simple endeavor unto itself and the fact that you know it was like the last step in this this long line of steps and it turned out it's fantastic. I really, I feel such a, a sense of satisfaction for this one. Um, if you make any of this stuff, I hope you enjoy it. If you make all of it, uh, Godspeed. And even if you just make a cheesecake using conventional ingredients, um, give it a whirl. It, it, it's really, it's cool. When it turns out good, it's great. And if it turns out bad, you're like, yeah, what did I expect? It's cheesecake. It's tough. You know, <laughs> it's rough. It's a hard one to make. So good luck with that. Uh, thanks for listening and have a wonderful week. All right. Bon appetit.